This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Hi, everybody. I'm Adam X, and this is the Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective. What an episode we have for you today. You better tune in because it's going to be a home run. My guest this week is Emily, Emily in the Wild on Instagram. She has 16, maybe 17 fastest known times, which is like... I mean this with all my heart, Emily, like the greatest combination of being an absolutely insane human being. So we talk about it. We talk about why you'd want to do that and why you'd ever think that's a good idea to run something at all and let alone run it very fast. We talk about training and what you do. We talk about bringing your dog. Your dog has more fastest known times than, than most humans. So it's a super fun episode, but before we get into that episode, I have to give a shout out to my sponsors this week, and my first sponsors are those great friends over there on that screen, Darn Tough Vermont, Darn Tough Socks. We're talking running socks right now because we're in running season. Trail running, clearly I don't trail run, but I like them for my everyday wear. The best thing about these socks is they are guaranteed for life. Uh... It doesn't get any better. You can pick cushion, no cushion, if you want merino wool, if you want synthetic. They're just great socks for everyday adventures. And the whole thing, the best thing about them, they are guaranteed for life. <laughs> My next sponsor this week is The Feed, thefeed.com. Go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit, and we're going to give you free Kyoku. And what Kyoku is, if you haven't figured this out yet, it is a breakfast shake. It is a meal replacement. It tastes like cinnamon and turmeric. It doesn't taste like grass. That's my favorite thing about it. And, you know, I've been mixing it with almond milk. It seems to really work the way I like it. When I mix it with water, it's not that's definitely not my favorite. But when I mix it with almond milk, this is just my insight. It gets smoothly a little frothy, and it tastes so good. So again, we're giving it to you for free, and we've solved the breakfast dilemma. Go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. Try it. Uh, there's no there's no harm in trying it. Let me know what you think. Slide in my DMs. And I guess it's time for the episode now. So go to thefeed.com, check out Darn Tough Socks, and enjoy this episode. Okay. Um, my name is Emily Ketty, and I live in Bend, Oregon. Um, I'm a transplant from the East Coast out of um, Lake Placid and Buffalo before that. Um, I am an ultra runner and uh, endurance athlete. Silly as it seems to say that and identify myself, I, I suppose that's exactly what I am. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm just an outdoor enthusiast, um, hiker, backpacker, mountain climber, um, skier, and, uh, just, yeah, running around all the time. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Born and raised in Buffalo, New York? Um, near Buffalo, yes. Okay. That's my hometown. I don't know if you know this. That's where I, I that's where that. I live. Yeah. I am, I live in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I'm born and raised in Hamburg, New York. Okay, I was Fredonia. Okay. So just oh, so you spent time at Sonny's? Oh, God. <laughs> Sneaking into Sonny's. <laughs> it was like yeah. dollar drafts, I think. I don't know. I, re I remember Sonny's vaguely. It was Definitely. a blurry time of my life. Okay, yeah, so you're from Buffalo. You know the whole thing. 
Yeah. What made you get into all this? Like, I'm an outdoorsy person. I'm in, I again, I still am in Buffalo. And it's mm-hmm. an East Coast diehard, weird little town that we, like, just love. And I will, I could talk about Buffalo all day, every day. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> were you raised to be an outdoorsy person? Were you, like, what led to, like, I'm going to have a career in this? Yeah, so... Oh, a career. Gosh. Um, I can only dream. Um, yeah. So Buffalo, interesting, like tons of snow and not so much to do with it. And like, it, it's, you know, the land of chicken wings and hockey and beer. Um, you know, I, my parents, when I was little, we went on, um, camping trips, but like not hiking, backpacking so much, just, you know, at campgrounds. And then we, we do some hiking here and there and outdoorsy stuff. And I was always encouraged to play outside a lot as a kid. And, um, in eighth grade, I remember I had these wonderful history teachers at my school who ran a program called quest, uh, for all the eighth graders. It was like a three part learning to backpack program and we would do an overnight and I think the longest one was maybe two nights they actually just did it they're still doing it so however many years later oh gosh like 20 years later um they're they're still running the program at the school for the eighth graders um so that was my first like backpacking experience but in a large group but learning to cook and um like orient yourself and read maps and deal with rain and things like that um, so that was outstanding. She actually um, published a book about it too, um, like how to how to do a similar thing in a in a school format. Um, and then I remember specifically when I was in college and undergrad, my brother invited me on his boys' trip to the Smoky Mountains, um, hiking uh, some big day hikes, but camping at a campground. Um, and I just thought it was the coolest thing that my big brother wanted me to come, and so I did that. Um, and then after that, there wasn't too much, um, until like more into my mid twenties, um, in, into grad school. And I started going to the Adirondacks, um, and it was there. I really fell in love with hiking and, um, summiting mountains and out there it's really, it's, you know, almost exclusively just, just hiking, no, no crazy climbing, um, but just really big days in the mountains. And I eventually moved out there um, and just became kind of an endurance hiker. I did my first trail run um, in the Adirondacks. It was maybe 11 and a half miles. Um, and it, it was a huge deal. It was like this major run for me. Um, and so that was the first time I, I did a trail run. Um, and that was before I left and hiked the PCT for six months which was my first time on the West coast. Um, so that really, um, I, I tell everybody that ruined my life in the best way. Um, hiking that long trail because it just turned my whole life upside down and really showed me a totally different lifestyle. Like you, you adopt a through hiker lifestyle and six months is a good amount of time to really shake up your life and think about who you are and what you want and who you want to be. And um, in incredible landscape, meeting incredible people, um, visiting, you know, West Coast towns. And um, so that really changed me quite a bit. And then I moved out here to Bend just under a year later. So that was late 2017. And I've been here since then. I just want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. You said I did an 11 mile, 11 and a half mile trail run, which was like a big thing to you at the time that's still a big thing 
So no, 11 yeah. miles so, doesn't change. Yeah. Time doesn't change 11 miles. Like there's no. no way I will ever do 11 miles of anything. Right. Especially it's, walk it's or so run. Like, like, um, you know, to me, a big thing, I mean, I, I, I have friends who are such fast runners, like, and I'll be like, I'm never going to run a 10 K because I will get creamed, which isn't, that's not a, that's not a reason not to run a 10 K. You can run whatever you want and it's fun. But, um, but no, it's just, it's, it's all relative. Um, and that's kind of what the beauty is around running. And I think running on trails in general is, um, you're just out there and it doesn't matter. Like it's not about running fast. I mean, there's, you know, races of course. And, but even then it's just about trying hard. Um, yeah, it's just perspective. Like it's, I just brought it up because you, you brought it up, but it's like, it is funny. (laughs) 11 miles to you at that point in your life was like the ultimate goal and, and like experience and, you know, like you set your sights on it and you hit it. And now a couple of years looking back, you're like, I, I, you did eight miles this morning and now it's eight 30 and you're on a podcast. Like there's no way, yeah. like, it's just funny how time changes, like how we, how hard things are perceived or perspective or like, yeah. I mean, it's just the, you know, a testament of who you are becoming and continue to become as an athlete where it's like 11 miles is still a big to do, but now it's a walk in the park for you. Kind of. I mean, I bet if I went back and did it was the great Adirondack trail run. And I bet if I went home and to Lake Placid and did it again. I mean, I remember there was a lot of good climbing, but it was just that was my first experience really like running in the mountains. And I remember maybe two years ago, I was reading an article um, in some kind of online magazine. I don't know if it was outside or um something but there was there was this woman who had just gotten sponsored by black diamond and i was reading the article and i was like this sounds a lot like me and then it said and her first trail race was the great adirondack trail run and i was like wow like how cool is that just small world maybe it's a sign i don't we'll see i don't know two years from now we'll be like oh my god we'll be talking about it you'll be be signed (laughs) signed with black diamond it'll be a whole thing Black Diamond would be pretty cool. I do really like that brand. <laughs> I'm going to bring you with me. I'm just getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, so do you think, like, going to school in the Adirondacks, was that was that the reason that you got into this? Do you think you still would have become this ultra runner, trail runner? And we're going to talk all about your FKTs. But, like, <laughs> do you think that was the trigger that, like, like that really started this or was it just going back to like quests with your eighth grade teacher and just like, did you know, at what point did you know, like, I'm going to make this an important part of my life after the PCT maybe? Maybe. So, yeah, I think, you know, with the quest, I, my mom had pointed that out to me one time and she's like, you know, you had that experience in eighth grade. And at the time, I think I was an eighth grader who was really just concerned about what my friends were doing. I wasn't, you know, if I could go back, I wish I had had, you know, the confidence and individuality to just be this like strong eighth grader. And I just, I wasn't at the time, but so I think, you know, but, but all in all, I think that like every experience matters. So that quest trip definitely mattered because it was exposure. Um, and I learned things, but I think that, so I went to college, um, I, I did grad school in Buffalo and, and during grad school, I was driving to the Adirondacks 
all the time. Like I was a total weekend warrior. The seven hour drive was like nothing. It, it was a little ridiculous at some points. I think my parents definitely thought so, but, but I loved it. Um, it was after though, after the PCT, um, when I, it, you kind of get to this point, they call it like post-trail depression. It's a real thing. And it's just an adjustment disorder that pretty much everyone who finishes the trail ends up with because all of a sudden your lifestyle that you've adopted for six months and really gotten into and immersed yourself in is over and you have to go back to real life. And people start to think about, you know, your last month on trail, you're like, okay, what am I going to do? What's next? Do I have a plan? Do I need to find a job? Like, did I sell my house? Do I still have an apartment? You know, what's your situation? But you're also not having the same schedule every day and waking up in the morning and, you know, sipping your coffee that you made in your jet boil and getting out of your tent covered in frost. And, you know, your job for the day is hiking and eating and having water. So, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's hard to come out of that. And so my friend Ella, who, um, a plug, she is about to start a PCT FKT attempt, um, coming up here in just a couple weeks. Um, she is absolutely crazy and, uh, and amazing, but I met her on the PCT and afterward she suggested that I run a 50 K um, she said, you're going to love it. This like ultra running, it's really fun. <laughs> and, uh, she had done a few, I think at that point. Um, and so I did and it went okay. And so I thought then I would try a 50 miler. And so I ran with her and then there were two guys there that I had not met before, but they hiked like between the four of us, we all somehow were connected to each other, but we had all hiked the PCT the same year. So we did that 50 mile race and that went, I trained for it, um, just pretty regularly and no specific type of running or crazy strength training, but I just Googled a running plan and I saw the mileage, you know, the mileage listed for like eight weeks. And I just ran those miles exactly as the plan called for. And the race went really well. And I was like, I think I can do this, be Google this coach. You know, runner. <laughs> and it was just really fun because it just seemed like this crazy sport. It was like, it was a lot of parallels to through hiking, right? You, you have this select group of people who have decided to do this thing that's kind of outside the norm and people kind of look at you funny and you spend a lot of time outside. <laughs> um, and it was just, it's a nice way to kind of keep that post, post through hike life going because you're just, and you're always kind of working towards something, um, you know, long-term goal, short-term goal, but lots of time outside, lots of time alone, um, <laughs> in nature, exploring, enjoying, always finding new trails. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that really, I blame her for the obsession. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned like the, the post depression after the PCT. Cause like, it's something that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily talk about publicly or we don't even think about because you're like, all these people are like, oh my God, you just did the PCT. And maybe some people are like, what's next? And even if they mm -hmm. don't mean anything by what's next, it's like in your brain, you're like, I have no idea what's next. I just had my sights set on this goal and now I've achieved it. And that was mm -hmm. my life for six months straight. And now I'm out and I have no idea. Like society's fast. The world moves really fast. You're so disconnected from it. Like, 
it had to be such an insane. I couldn't imagine. You're not putting life on pause, but you're almost putting life on pause because your life is so simplistic, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. It's so beautiful. I mean, I, I still get that feeling sometimes if I'm out on a backpacking trip or even on a really long, like I, I was recently down in, in Northern California and did a really long day hike. And it just, I remember thinking like, wow, out here, like nothing from out in the world that's going on can even touch anything out here. It's just so simple and it feels so good, but no, it's, it's interesting because on the PCT, you meet people who come from all walks of life. I mean, all different ages, all different experiences. There's, there's people who have a job and they got a leave of absence. So when they finish the trail, they're going right back to their job. I remember there was a guy who worked a job on wall street and he just up and left to hike the PCT. He was like, I need to change more drastic. There's people who sell their houses and their cars and all of their belongings so that they can afford to hike it for six months and, and they don't know what's next. And there's kids taking a gap year between high school and college and, and then everybody in between. Um, so it's just really interesting, but, but yeah, I think that people think like, what is this that I'm experiencing after the trail? And it really is just, I mean, for some people it gets to be some pretty serious depression and you, you can see why, like there's no, in what, in what other kind of situation in life do you just stop what you're doing, do something completely different for this period of time, so drastically different, um, that really, I think has an effect on your brain, just, you know, changes in really positive ways, a lot of the way your brain is operating. Um, but then it just ends very abruptly, uh, And I think that's, it's just a very unusual circumstance to find yourself in. So people aren't, I mean, people talk about that a lot, but it's a really interesting situation. And so at the very least, I think just having issues with adjustment, um, you know, just basic issues and anxieties is extremely common. Um, It's, I swear, I'm I'm no professional, but like the the PCT saved my buddy's life. Like he served in the military. He had a lot of issues. He woke up one day and was like, I'm going to go do this. And Mm -hmm. that human being is the greatest, kindest, nicest human I've ever dealt with in my entire life now. And prior to that, it was someone I worked with a lot. Um, I couldn't stand the guy. I mean, I, I enjoyed him and I, I felt pain for what he had went through, but like, you know, I, there were things I couldn't relate to that he dealt with. And this Mm -hmm. person came back a totally changed human being for the absolute best. Like that, like, Holy shit. Nature is healthcare. Like this is like, and I can't say it for everybody and I can, and I don't know how, you know, we're not super close, but we keep in touch now. And like, he's a totally different human being. And he's the great, one of the nicest, kindest humans I've ever met in my entire life. And I've never seen personally someone transform that drastically in six months. That was like, (laughs) and like we worked together in the past and like, I'd be like, F this, this sucks. And he's like, like he's lived it. He's done. He's had the suffering. He's done. And so like nothing, it just put his whole life in perspective. And that, yeah. and that even helped me put my life in perspective of like, my life is easy. My life is great. And it, it's such a, and only people who have done it can really seem to like attest to what 
it truly means to be, you just struggle on your own and you figure it out and you have friends along the way and you have, but like you are your lifeline and that is, yeah. there's nothing cooler than that. And like, I don't know if I could ever do a piece like that, like that long of a trail. Cause I don't know if I could be alone with my thoughts that long. I don't, yeah. it's, it's insane. It's crazy. And I mean that in the best ways. Insane and crazy can mean bad, but like, it's like right. fascinating. Great. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's, yeah. Being alone with your thoughts is, is there's a lot of that. And some people on trail, you know, gather into trail families and, and spend less time alone. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, become couples or, you know, establish great friendships and things. So it, you know, it, it varies, but, uh, which, which trail is your friend on right now? He's not on one. He's done. He did the PCT. Oh, he, yeah. He, oh, what was his name? Um, oh my God. I don't really want to say his name. Oh, okay. No worries. <laughs> I, it's a small community. So I'm, I'm, and I follow kind of like every year. I'm just, I'm curious. Um, it would have been but, 2016 uh, when he did it. Okay. I'll tell you off air. Um, I just don't want to put anyone's no, name on blast. Um, I was in, I was in 16 too. So okay. there's, yeah, um, I would definitely know. send it to you. I just don't want to. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Um, I know what you, what you're talking about. My, I have a good friend. His, his trail name is wing it. Um, he, he puts himself out there all the time. Um, he does, uh, I, I hiked the PCT with him. He was, a, he's a Marine veteran. Um, and he has talked a lot about how transformative, um, the trail is and, he's since hiked the CDT and, um, he does a lot of long hikes and bikes and, um, paddling routes for the Semper Fi foundation, which is for veterans, right. um, has raised lots and lots of money. I'm, I'm wondering even if they would know each other, it's just such a small community and word travels pretty quickly among people. Um, but it's so impressive. I think with, with veterans on trail, I think that is when you, when you talk about mental health, um, it, it's a particularly poignant experience. Yeah. And I love that mental health has become such a priority specifically in our world or what I like to think is our world is the outdoors. And we're so, we're getting comfortable talking about it and get our, it's, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And like, some days you just have a day and like we talk about it with the podcast. Like I have three podcasts scheduled today and I have to give you my best even when I'm not. And this isn't a woe is me, but like <laughs> but it's like it's fun that we can talk about it and we can have off days and we can sometimes we have to reschedule because like I can't perform today or and it's so refreshing that in this outdoor space, we finally found comfort in talking about it. And it's like it's fucking great. It's, it's so weird. I never, I'm very fortunate when it comes to mental health and I didn't, I'm 36 years old and I didn't realize how fortunate I was until I started talking to people in this outdoor space. And I was like, I just like, to me, it was like, be happy. I can go ride my bike. Makes me happy. I go for a walk. Like I, and I didn't understand that people like, so it's been phenomenal for me to just learn and just like, oh, maybe I am dealing with a seasonal depression. And I just never labeled it, which is okay too. But like, 
Now when it's hiking or it's raining, I just go for a walk because I know that'll help my brain. But it's it's so comforting to have a space. This is a ramble, but just to be able to just be like, hey, we're all kind of fucked and that's cool. Let's <laughs> let's be F together and let's figure it out together as humans and let's just navigate this crazy thing that we call life. Absolutely. Sorry for yeah. my rant. I apologize, no. but it's so important that time outside. I feel, I feel like it's just like a stream from, I'm trying to think of like how to make it not sound corny, but it, it's just like, like the outdoors, like nature, the wilderness It's just, it, it feeds you like the longer you're out there, it just, it keeps, it, it gives to you. And it's, it's, it just does that automatically. It doesn't take any magic and it doesn't cost anything besides, you know, getting there. Um, which is getting more expensive, <laughs> but, um, you know, like once you're out there, it's just, you just, you make yourself available to the outdoors and, and just moving. We know, we know that movement is good for mental health and fresh air and yeah. Yeah, it works. It's, um, we're just fortunate enough to be able to spend time outside every day because yeah. some people can't, some people don't have that opportunity. No, I've, I have designed my life. Um, that that's another, another phrase people are like, Oh, like life design is becoming this like, you know, buzz phrase. Um, but truly like I have since the PCT, I, I made it kind of a mission to live my life, if not always intentionally, um, you know, which people say, Oh, like live life with intention. Well, sometimes I'm just kind of bobbing along, but I've, I've made it my mission to have access to outdoors and, and to be able to spend a lot of time outside. Um, yeah, yeah. it's with important. Really, yeah. Why this is kind of a swerve completely, but why bend? Why did you choose bend? You've traveled, you've done some things, you've kind of yeah. been all over the place. What was bend? Why was it exciting to you? Um, so Bend, I remember on the PCT, the, um, when I visited Bend, I spent a bit of time here in town, um, went to a brewery, hung out on like the lawn, there was a lawn at the brewery and it was just a cool place to hang out. It seemed really local. I went to see, um, Michael Franti, um, at the outdoor amphitheater, like super typical Bend experience. Um, coffee shops, local parks. It just seemed like such a cute town and a, a good sized town. And it's grown even since I've moved here. Um, we're like well over a hundred thousand people now, but, um, so quite different from Lake Placid, quite smaller than Buffalo. Um, and, but just a good, a good location. I mean, I love California so much. And if it wasn't so expensive to live there, I would probably be there um in any part of california um but i also love washington i love the the cascades the big mountains the snow and bend is a really good happy medium we have we have everything we have like 300 days of sunshine a year um we have access to great skiing and backcountry skiing great running trails mountain biking trails um we're in the middle of the state so we've got this like high desert atmosphere which I'm not super crazy about, but it's, it like leans more towards, um, like, like the mountain kind of ecosystem. Um, I mean, half an hour away is Mount bachelor. So then you're up in the mountains, you're on dirt trails with the big trees. Um, 
and then the like the rainforest right on the other side of the mountains to the west um and then the coast so we have like within a couple of hours this amazing variety um and the location is just cool and the the feel of the town which bend is becoming really popular and people are always complaining about how many people move here but I mean, we all moved here, so, um, you know, home prices are skyrocketing and it's got the whole mountain town problem, but it's still, um, you know, the, the grass is always greener kind of situation. Um, it's, it's a good place to be angered. So. I like that. I'll accept that answer. Not that I have any approval on what you say about Ben, but I, you know. I've been there for a day and I was like, I could live here. This seems cool. Our, ex- yeah. our producer totaled our car in Bend once. Not totaled it, but he, like, <laughs> smashed a curb so hard. <laughs> He's in the other room looking at me right now. <laughs> yes. Smashed a curb. Oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, a Toro rental. We got whapped on it. But that's such is life. That's my Bend experience. We got ice cream, I think. I think we tried to float the river. And then. Uh, and... River, that's definitely, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Then... Get your drink and a hot day and just and Ethan smashed up our car so that was that's my bend experience so five stars for Ben for me you gotta come back and do a little more but (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about your FKTs your fastest known times I think you have 16 of them I think you went for one yesterday or two days ago maybe so maybe you have 17 I don't know um What yeah. what are FKTs for anyone listening who doesn't know, which I think most people do, um, yeah. and and why? I ask all my guests this. Uh, the other host was just making fun of me. He's like, you just ask your guests why. And I was like, I think people want to know why. Like, why do you want to do things that don't seem fun super fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it, I like the why, too, because I think when people hear it, they, like, maybe identify it and or figure out their why, or, you know, figure, oh, well, that's why maybe I would do it too. Um, so FKT is fastest known time, and it is a wide range of activities, but there's a website, a database, and it's essentially just routes. Um, I want to say running routes because a fastest time, usually you would, it would involve running. Um, there can be other elements to the route, like climbing or, um, swimming, but, a majority of the portion of the route there are specific rules about around it but a majority has to be on like on trail running um is the primary activity so fastest known times can be anything from um like the ascent of one of our local mountains um south sister ten thousand footer um to the entire PCT. So like I mentioned, my friend Ella is going for the FKT on the 2,600 mile PCT in a couple of weeks um, because she's absolutely nuts. But um, FKTs, so you can, um, I mean, any of the major long trails, um, trails like the Colorado Trail, the Arizona Trail, the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier, um, really well-known routes like that. And then all kinds of, you can look up like on the website, there's a map and you can see just how many there are just in the United States, but it is, um, worldwide, which is really cool. Um, so there are, there are routes all over the place. Um, you can also submit new routes. So if you can go on, like I went on this weekend to Gaia, um, the app and just mapped out a route. Um, one of my, one of my girlfriends was having, kind of a, um, a rough day, like 
with her running identity and was feeling a little bit like a fraud, um, which she's not. Like she ran the rim to rim to rim with me at the Grand Canyon in April. So she's a good runner. Um, and but she was just having a, having an off day, which happens to all of us. And so I my solution was like, hey, let's uh, let's go get you an FKT and just show you how much of a fraud you are not. Um, and the route we wanted to do was still covered in snow. It was up by Mount Hood. Um, so I made a route and submitted it and, uh, we went and ran it. And because we were the first, um, there was no time to beat. So <laughs> we're both, I, my legs are really still tired from a race I had last weekend. And, um, she was, she was looking strong, but I felt like I was dragging. So we weren't, you know, it's the fastest known time. Um, which can be interpreted a lot of ways too. So it's a, it's kind of a fun, a fun thing during COVID is when I got into it. Um, my now good friends, Jason and Ashley, um, they happen to have the most FKTs for any man and any woman. Um, Jason hit a hundred this past summer. Um, and Ashley's got like almost 50, I think, but, uh, they, I, I was like, who are these people who are just going out? And I, I just, I remember, you know, this, everything was shut down and I was just kind of looking for ways to stay busy and active. And, um, and I, and I had recently, um, I had done a project for a local, um, I'm, I gotta try to like stay on task here. Cause my mind is going in, in a few different directions. Um, there was a, a local cider company that, uh, that, had me do a, a mountain climbing project. So I had just recently really dove into the mountains around central Oregon and climbing and, um, like climbing fourth and fifth class solo climbing and kind of, um, weaving, running and climbing together essentially. Um, so I looked at, you know, what Jason and Ashley were doing and some other people on FKT. And it looked like there were a lot of opportunities, not just to do running routes, but to, to run up mountains and, and things that were actually pretty hard, which is, I think more of my strength is not just running, but, um, you know, running up a mountain summit or a really like technical kind of summit. Um, and just really like pounding, pounding that suffering. burn into my head. You're into suffering. Suffering, yes. <laughs> suffering is is essential. Um, one of my friends always says. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun, I guess. Um, so it, it was just cool because it opened up like this whole other world of like, well, there's like races, trail races and road races. And there's mountain climbing, but there's also this like fast paced world where you can actually set times for, um, you know, the ascent or like round trip on these mountains, or you can connect different mountains or just trails alone. Um, so I just kind of dove into that and, and I started looking at all the routes around Oregon and in other neighboring States and, um, routes that just sounded fun or places I had never been before. And, and I would look and look at the times and, it's cool because sometimes there's not um, like there's different categories. So there'll be an FKT on any given route for male, female, um, non-binary, um, and then like a mixed gender team. So if it's like, you know, just me or me and one of my girlfriends, then we, we can get the female FKT, but it lists, you know, all the times and there's rules and 
Um, you can do it supported or um, self-supported where you'd like stash water or food or anything or totally unsupported where you carry everything from the beginning. And I think you can just get water from streams. Um, so there's all kinds of different styles of doing them too. And it, so it's just a really fun, it's like, it's like planning out a big backpacking trip, but with fewer logistics, um, but just like, you know, big adventure day. So I got into that and, and just saw all these cool routes and, and somewhere there was no female time. And I thought, well, this is wide open. I'll go, I'll go at least put down something and then maybe someone else will see that and be motivated to go and smash my time. Um, so I'm not like the world's fastest runner or anything, but it's just, it's a fun community to be a part of. Um, and I got to start doing some really, some really cool routes and, um, you know, just doing things that made me feel proud of myself. Um, and I think during COVID that was really important races were, you know, canceled. Um, you know, I had all these races lined up for 2020 and just one by one, it was like canceled, 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 you know? So the FKTs kind of gave me a way to still be training. And it was just like, well, I'm just training for whatever next big thing I'm going to do. Yeah. And I think it's like going back to when you finished the PCT, like this, this is a never ending goal. This is a never ending, something you can continue to do your entire life that just Mm -hmm. like keeps you motivated because it's definitely endless. Yeah. I think, um, I, I was talking about this with my friend when we were running yesterday. Um, you know, when, if you're training for a race, you get a, a little bit more specific, maybe in your training, maybe you have you like blocks of training or, Oh, I'm going to do, you know, the next six weeks really focused. Um, and, and with a specific goal, but a race is, well, <laughs> usually a one day event, right? So right. you have to love everything in between. Um, or you don't have to, but it would be, you, you know, not to. So like the point of running is, is to enjoy the training part too. And, you know, so I kind of look at it as, well, I'm always training. And if, even if it's not for a specific thing, I just want the ability to be able to go out on any given day and go on a big adventure, whether it's climbing a mountain or a 20 mile run or this big hike, you know, I just, I love that I, that I can do that at that point. And that's, I'm trying to maintain. Yeah. You're always ready. You're always like, you don't have to prepare for anything. You can just, you are prepared. And you, once you get that level of fitness or mental fitness or mental toughness, it's a lot Mm -hmm. easier to maintain it than it is to lose it and then bring it back and easier is a loose term, but we'll just say easier for, for lack of (laughs) words. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. One, you have this dog, I believe her name is Jolly. His name is his name is Jolly. There he is. Hi, Jolly. This this dog goes everywhere with you, correct? Like this dog has more FKTs than most. He's he's probably got eight or nine. (laughs) That is insane. I know there's like some, you know, do we bring dogs into the backcountry or on these trails or like, but like you're it's golden retriever. It seems to be like, like what is the training method for <laughs> Jolly? Or is it just like you got lucky with a really good dog and like, so you, you're he, taking a risk by bringing an animal with you? 
absolutely. I, and I, I have to just be so widely transparent about that because he is a hundred less vet visit. He was 102 pounds. I'm, he, I'm trying to get him closer to 90 again. Um, winter, you know, winter weight, but, uh, <laughs> he's a little chunky. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, that is something that always, always, because I do a lot of solo adventuring just with him. And I think, you know, in the back of my mind, if I was like two miles from a trailhead, I might be able to like fireman carry him with the adrenaline, but realistically farther than that out. Um, and on some of the terrain that Jolly goes on, um, absolutely not. So that is just in the back of my mind, um, do I always have a foolproof plan? No. Um, he's a huge dog, but, um, he is absolutely like, I, I just, I wish, like, I think when, when people come along with, with me and him, they see like, he loves it. Like Jolly's a mountain climber. He's a better scrambler on a lot of terrain than I am. And he'll just like unbelievably like scramble right up really steep rocky stuff and he's fearless and he is you know um he just has a good sense of like where the best routes are to go up most times if i if i go a different way i end up you know down climbing and go up the way that jolly went um and he is my protector he's actually so he's not a golden retriever he's uh he's a hovawar it's a german breed okay um pretty rare in the united states but it's common in europe um but they're essentially like a giant golden retriever but with very um like protective tendencies and he is more of like an alert dog so not like an attack protective dog but um he definitely like uh keeps a very close eye on his people and always like checks the perimeter of areas and is just kind of the monitor um you know, if I'm out camping or hiking or anything. So he is deaf and he has a huge bark. He um, is really known for, for freaking people out with his bark. He just, he sounds, he looks real like cute and golden retriever. And then he just lets out this, this fierce, deep woof. And it's intimidating, which is actually amazing to have when I'm alone um, in the backcountry. And I think part of the reason that I'm like one of the few women I know who spend a lot of time out there who hasn't had any like, you know, knock on wood, but, um, you know, negative human experience just as far as being intimidated or creeped out or followed. Um, and I think that's, I mean, a, a huge part of that is having a dog with me. Um, but he's just such good company. Um, and I have taken him, I mean, my very first night I had Jolly as a puppy in Lake Placid we slept in a lean to in the Adirondacks. And so he has been, I mean, climbing mountains, even his vet from the time he was a puppy, um, his veterinarian kind of monitored and she'd be like, okay, you can climb this tiny, like tiny mountain in town. And then you can get a little higher and higher. And, um, and, and he was, he was capable. I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of kind of beliefs about what dogs can do at a young age. Um, and I think bottom line is just be really in communication with your vet if you, if you want to be doing outdoorsy activities, but it's paid off. I mean, he's, he's very healthy. He's very strong and he is so comfortable in the mountains and outside that said, um, he's not perfect. So (laughs) 
you know, leash laws and things like that. Like I have to be really cognizant of when dogs are allowed certain places because I do prefer him to be off leash. Um, when, you know, where and when it's permitted. So I do pick a lot of places where we can, where we can kind of roam. And he is very stuck to me. Like he's not a dog that I would ever worry about like, Oh gosh, he ran and I lost him. Um, the furthest he's ever really been away from me on a trail is like 30 seconds. And I start to panic. And then he just like pops out ahead and he's like, what's, what you worried about? <laughs> um, he's, he sticks right with me. Um, so, uh, no, he's, he's a lot of fun, but, um, he's definitely very protective and even on leash, like even in, even in town, he can have a hard time with other dogs. He just thinks he's this tough, this tough <laughs> and I'm like, oh, can't be tough and fluffy at the same time. Like one or the other, <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's a great companion. I love so. it. It's fun to see. And there is so much, you know, sometimes negative negatives about bringing an animal into the woods and you seem to be extremely aware of them and it you know it is it's your adventure partner and he's there and that makes you feel comfortable and you know you know you're assessing those risks by bringing it's no different I mean it is different but it's no different than bringing someone else in the woods like that is your travel partner and you have to rely on that dog and that dog has to rely on you and like it's a really neat little partnership as I just like scrolled your Instagram and I'm like, she brings this dog everywhere. Um, oh, so it's fun to see. Well. I mean, he loves car trips, like long car drives. He just, it's awesome. Chill. It's great to see. So I love it. Um, I don't want to keep you too long here. I've got a couple yeah, more yeah. questions for you. You ran an ultra race with a bat, like a wooden baseball <laughs> bat. I'm so glad you asked about that. What? Yeah. So my first hundred miler was the Havelina hundred and it's a Halloween time race. And so you can run in costume if you want. So my first year I did it, um, I ran as Harley Quinn. And so I did her classic, like the pigtails and the jacket, the fishnets and baseball bat. And it was like in the first couple miles, I remember we start in the dark and this guy ran up alongside me. And, um, he was like, you're not going to carry that the whole way. Are you? And I wasn't going to, I was going to carry it for the first <laughs> 20 mile loop of five and then ditch it. And I just like looked at him and I was like, you bet your ass I am. <laughs> so I did. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, I run a lot with like, um, my phone in my hand. Um, I just, I never got used to like having a phone sleeve and I don't like tucking it into my shorts pocket or anything. So um, I'm used to having something or like holding the leash or my trekking, you know, like my trekking pole is all like folded up. So I'm, it wasn't weird. And it, it wasn't like a wooden bat. It was, it, it's like rubber. Um, so it wasn't that strange having it. And it was really fun. Like um, I played in that race in the middle of the night, the one at Eden station, they kind of turn into a rave and like there's a DJ and there's booze and music. And uh, we played dizzy bat. And then, um, at the finish line, they have sponges that they just, you know, douse in water and squeeze over your head. And they like volleyed one and I slammed, you know, home run, <laughs> hit it into the air. And it was just, it was a fun prop to have. And then, um, I came back and ran. So it, it just kind of became like my good luck thing. So I have a couple of like other race photos where they take your pre-race photo and I'll just have like my bat with me and I don't run with it, but 
And then um, I went back to Havelina last fall and ran um, intending to do the hundred miler, but it was just, it was coming off the Moab 240 and like two and a half, three weeks later. And so I was very much not recovered. Um, and I, but I was like, I'm going to go cause it's just so fun. And I was like, what costume could I have with the bat? So I was, um, I was bat girl, like a baseball player. Um, and it was funny because some people remembered me from like two years prior. Um, and I ended up dropping out at a hundred K, which is totally cool. Um, but it was just, it was, it's just a fun prop to have and everybody's like can I hold your bat like is that real you know it's it's a fun kind of conversation piece it's like an odd gimmick that you didn't know would become like this thing it's like oh yeah. I guess I'm I'm yep that's me bat girl like with the baseball bat yeah <laughs> I love it um tips for people who want to kind of get into this if there's like you know I guess this is a two-part question. Tips for anyone who wants to just start running long distances, like getting into that. And then like one thing that you can't live without when it comes, that's not necessarily food. Uh, and if it is food, it has to be like a good food. Like my buddy who did the PCT, every time he got out, he had to have, he like searched like for a 7-Eleven to get a payday and a Mountain Dew. Those were like, he's like, I just craved ah. paydays and Mountain Dews, which is like paydays are the worst candy ever. But Two part question. <laughs> Anyone to get prepared to like, how do you, how do you get into this? Do you just jump into it? And then part two of that question is one thing that you absolutely bring with you, obviously like everything, every trip is a little different, but like your must have weird thing that you just bring with you on all these trips. Yeah. Okay. So as far as getting into it, um, I mean, just no, no pressure. Um, I mean, part, part of the beauty of it is, you know, on trails, it's one of my mottos for doing like fastest known times is don't ever be in such a rush that I don't have time to stop and take a picture of something beautiful. So even if I'm going for a fastest known time, I'm still out there to enjoy it. Um, I'm, you know, so I'm still, if, if it means that I'm going to, you know, finish and haven't taken, you know, I've taken 50 pictures. Well, it was, it was worth it. Um, it's just part of the experience. So I think just knowing that you don't have to be running if you want to if you want to run you want to trail run um start start with something a, a familiar trail um run until until you got a jog or jog until you got to walk walk up the hills walking up the hills is great because in trail races you have to walk up hills a lot like in last weekend my first you know the first quarter mile i mean the first few miles were uphill but within a quarter mile racers were hiking uphill. Um, so that is definitely a, a good thing to do. Um, so yeah, just start where you're comfortable and don't feel like you have to run the whole time and explore new places. I think that that's, that's like part of the best thing about trail running is being able to explore more places in a shorter amount of time. Like I can wake up in the morning and go, you know, for miles out into the wilderness and then come back and go to work at five, um, which isn't something you can always do just hiking. So you can kind of see more and you can take it whatever pace you want. Um, it doesn't mean that you're rushing through the wilderness. It's just, you're seeing it at a different pace, um, kind of on your own, on your own time. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and yeah, and just like working up to a higher mileage, I think just setting goals. Cause if you can run, you know, five miles, you can run 
eight. And if you can run eight miles, you can run 10 or 12. You just kind of learn how to slow down and get into a pace that's comfortable that you can maintain. Um, and I mean, that's how people run very long distances, you know, a hundred miles. You, you don't, there's no sprinting. There's, you know, you keep your heart rate low and eat a lot. That was what I wanted to say. You know, if you, if you want to run more miles, you always eat more, um, pack good food, pack food that you definitely know that you're going to want to eat candy or fresh fruit or and sandwiches, um, make it fun. Um, you know, bring stuff that's going to, that's going to be enjoyable. Um, but having, you know, having endurance is you have to have energy too. So, and then, um, so something that I can't, something special, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's plenty of, of great food items. I've, I've been very lucky as far as races go. I normally have a really good appetite. Um, so I, I don't do a lot of like running gels, not too many running like gummies or anything like that. I like to eat at the aid station buffets <laughs> as much as I can. Um, that's half the reason I do it. Um, and the longer the race, the better the buffets. So, <laughs> but, uh, I think, I really enjoy, <laughs> this might sound kind of funny. I, I enjoy the outfit. Um, so, so specifically, like I have a million pairs of ski socks and I just wear them for, for running. Like Burton used to make these party socks with all these cool designs. They don't make them anymore, but which is such a shame. Um, but you can get just fun, like knee high socks and they don't have to be anything fancy, um, whatever's comfortable to run in, but I just, you know, flashy and conversation starters. And I just try to try to run in whatever's comfortable, whatever's fun. Um, and I think like, I just, that's why I like Havelina so much is, you know, we're got, we've got to run a hundred miles. This is hard work. Let's, let's make this as, as fun as possible. Um, so in, in every kind of planning, you know, the food aspect and the, the, what trail we're going to run and what I'm going to wear, just try to make it enjoyable and not boring. I I, like hundred miles and fun don't exist in the same universe for me. Like, <laughs> like you could say like, let's walk hundred miles. No, thank you. Let's run a hundred miles. No, thank you. Let's bike a hundred miles. No, thank you. Like, let's drive a hundred miles. Like I'm good. Like <laughs> let's fly a hundred. Like I doesn't exist. I mean, it exists in my world, but not by choice. Like there's plenty of things <laughs> I have to do and, and I do, but like, so hearing you'd be like, make it fun. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll pack a chicken finger sub next time and I'll try to make it a little more fun. Sometimes it's fun after the fact. I, 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 it's like, um, like type three fun where like, so type, type one fun is, well, it's just fun during it. And type two fun is usually like, well, it's really hard, but, um, you know, but you know, maybe, maybe later you look back and it's, it was fun. And then type three fun is like, this was not fun at all, but that does that like, you know, it, it can be actually at my last race. So usually, um, during a big effort, I'll run, I'll, I'll find like a mantra or something and I'll write it on my hand and permanent marker. And on my last race, I, the mantra that I had was, this is a happy moment. And, um, it was my favorite one by far so far because, uh, I, in the race, I would be climbing and I'd be like, okay, I've, I've climbed 9,000 feet already this morning. I still have more to go. Um, and I would just glance down and look at my hand and it would say like, this is a happy moment. And it was just so true because I'd be like, I am working so hard. 
I chose to be here. Like I'm accomplishing something big. Like this is a moment we're celebrating. It is not fun <laughs> by any means. And then like at the finish line, I just remember like kneeling down and like looking down again and seeing it. And I was like, this, this is so true. This is such a happy moment. Um, that was really hard. That was not fun, but truly, um, yeah. Yeah. It seems <laughs> like you make the best out of all these situations and you continue to put yourself in the situation. So it's, it's phenomenal. Um, where can people follow you? What is the best to stay up to date on what you are doing? If you have anybody to thank, please thank them. Um, yeah. Oh, I have, I have so many people to thank. I mean, I, have, I, I, gosh, um, wow. This is like, my, like the award speech. Yeah, like, who do I stand? Careful. We ring a bell eventually. This is the bell. That's the bell. Okay. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I, there's so many, I have so many role models and, and friends and people that I look up to. And I think that is like the best, the best thing in life ever is to, um, to be friends with the people that you look up to and to have the friends that are, those are the people pushing you. And it's, it's not this abstract person that you don't know, or this, I mean, I look up to various athletes, but I think more than any athlete, you know, professional that I look up to are, are the, the friends around me that are pushing themselves and that inspire me to go and do big things and also have these big, terrible ideas that are like, let's go do this. And, and, you know, so I definitely, I mean, the more you can surround your people with, or the more you can surround yourself with people like that, um, the better, uh, cause they just, they make me want to be better. Um, where to find me? Probably the easiest way is Instagram. I'm pretty simple. And I, I post to that a lot and I like to write sometimes just write ramblings and thoughts and descriptive things. Um, but as far as like race recaps or FKTs, um, it's all there. Um, pretty up to date. So it's Emily in dot the wild. So Emily in period the wild. Um, Jolly has an Instagram as well. <laughs> I just started it. Um, it's Jolly Potamus Super Tramp um, after Alexander Super Tramp, of course. Of course. Um, Jolly Potamus because when he goes into the water, he just kind of walks around in the water and wades like a hippo. Um, so he's there, but, uh, but yeah, Emily in the wild and I'm on Facebook too, just under Emily caddy. Um, and that's just a regurgitation of Instagram. So Mostly one is. or the other, and I've got, you know, I'm on Strava, I'm on ultra sign up. So if you're interested in stats or like looking for cool routes, um, I don't normally train like a fast runner. I actually train pretty slow, um, for specific reasons, but, uh, I'm there. So, <laughs> well, Emily, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Um, thank you for telling uh, your stories. I appreciate it so much. And I have to say thank you to Adam Dwyer for making this connection and giving me an insane list of questions and knowledge that only he would know. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Emily, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.